Here we go, that's better. <laughs> been a brilliant morning. Um, before, we, before we start, I've got, just got a video to show. If, um, it's uh, cast your mind back, some of you might remember a few years ago, this is from, from Calendar News, and uh, you might remember uh, this video, if you can show the video, please. Mix and Q Richard. Hello from the cliff top in Scarborough. I'm speaking to you live. Well, I don't know if you... You probably saw that. And it says it all. It says it all. The chimney there, which has been standing precariously all afternoon, has finally gone. This is the latest piece of the Holbeck Hall, a building here that has stood for 110 years, and as you can see, losing its battle, its grim battle, to cling on to the crumbling cliff. It's been a dramatic story, a dramatic moment just then, just as we came on the air. Uh, we'll have all the details later in the programme. But now, over to Krista. There were some things that seem immovable, don't they? You can put the slide on now. Seem immovable, that they look as though they're here to stay, like that, that hotel. It stood there for, for 100 years. And then the cliff, it eroded away, and it, and it as you saw, it just collapsed into the sea. And uh, it, remember, if you might remember it happening quite a few years back now, when, when that, that fell into the sea. It looked solid, it looked firm, it looked as though it weren't moving. It didn't look as though it were going anywhere. You thought you could trust it, but it just crumbled and it went into nothing. Kingdoms, the, 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 the rise and the fall, you've seen it, you've seen countries uh, that uh, powers rise up and, and, uh, um, and then the, the fall. We've been hearing about Albania, there was, there was a time when it was perhaps one of the most close countries in, in the world, but now people are able to go into it. I remember going to Berlin just shortly after the Berlin Wall came down. I'd uh, would arrange to go to Berlin, and it just by coincidence that the, the wall had just come down just before we went, and it was amazing to see uh, all that, uh, that that atmosphere there, where um, the Berlin Wall had come down, and that split between East and West Germany had had, had gone. Do you ever feel like what you're standing on uh, is is shaken? Do you ever feel like what you're putting your, your faith in is shaky? I wonder if sometimes we, we feel like that. First job I, I ever had, I remember it. It's just a few hundred yards behind where I'm stood now, just up New Street, past Morrison's. It's now a car park, it's been flattened. But uh, first job I ever had, um, I remember my first wage actually, it was £61.82, my first wage. I thought I was a millionaire. <laughs> Still get about the same today actually, but... Uh, <laughs> But uh, the, the place where I worked at it was, was an, an old warehouse, and it had been uh, built up over various years, you know, and it was like a, a, a patchwork of buildings, really. And uh, part of the building, there was, um, it was, part of it was actually an old house, and the, the, the warehouse had been sort of built around it. And in this, this part, this, this old part of the building, it was really a bit, bit ramshackled. And occasionally, we didn't have to go in very often, but occasionally we'd have to go up the stairs in this old house. And, and it, were, it, were, it were awful because the floor, it seemed, it seemed as you stood on it, it seemed as though it were, were bowing and so it felt, you felt as though it were going to collapse underneath you. I don't think health and safety would allow it today, but, but then you'd, you'd sort of be walking across it, you'd be trying to not put all your weight on it. If you, if you, you know, thought about it, if you tried, then maybe you could levitate across it. <laughs> But, you know, it just, it just felt like the floor were giving way underneath you. And when you could stand back on firm ground again, then it, it was a relief. 
Do you ever feel like that way in, in your Christian life? Do you ever feel as though wondering, is it going to bear your weight? Can it uh, bear everything that you bring with it? What about all the stuff, all, all, all the, the baggage that you bring? Can it bear the weight of it? You come on it and you, you think about all the, uh, the, the struggles that you have, the, uh, the, the sin that you, you struggle with, and you think, can this sustain it? You, then you've got questions. You might have doubts. You might have things in, in, your, in your mind, and you might think, can this sustain it? Can it sustain all the, the stuff that I bring with it? Can I put all my weight on this, what I'm putting my faith in? The Apostle Paul could answer that question for us. He had total confidence in the gospel. He believed that it could sustain him, and he wasn't afraid of any of the arguments that came against it. This is what uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. It's going to come up on, on the screen. Paul says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, that is by Peter, and by the twelve, and that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present. But some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James and by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. Paul could declare that the faith that he was building on, that the foundation that he was building on, the foundation of Christ Jesus, he declared that it is strong enough to, to bear our weight. He said, you can put all your weight upon this foundation. This is not a foundation that is going to crumble. It's not going to last 100 years, 200 years, and then crumble. He said, it's going to last, and it's going to stand firm, and nothing will ever demolish that. Nothing will ever uh, bring it down. Paul had confidence Sometimes we hear arguments from people who, who say that believing in, in a man who, who rose from the dead, it's silly. It's a silly thing to believe in. And to be honest, you know, it seems a strange thing. I've been to a number of funerals in, in my years. Uh, and never once have I heard somebody banging on the coffin asking to be let out. And so for, some, for, us to, for us to believe in a man who was raised from the dead and to put our, our faith in that, that truth, it can seem strange. But yet Paul could declare the, the historic truth that Jesus actually did rise from the dead, that Jesus rose and is alive today. We look around and we see the, the glory of creation. You know, I, I love going out, I love seeing uh, you know, the wonder of creation. And that cries out to us that there's a creator behind it. But yet when we look at, at the cross, that fills in the detail. And it says not only is there a creator God, but this God, this creator God, is actually a God who loves us and a God who cares for us. That is what the, uh, the, the cross and the resurrection tells us about this God. So we look at creation, that tells us that there is a God. But we'll look at the cross and it tells us what God is like. So why is this important? Why is it important to look at this issue? I think sometimes we need to remind ourselves that the building and the foundation that, that, we, that we have on Jesus, when we build on Jesus, is a, a foundation that is going to sustain us, is going to hold our weight, is not going to crumble around us. Sometimes as Christians we go through tough times, we go through hard times, 
And when we go through all these hard times, sometimes we think, well, you know, if, if this was all true, if this was all real, then why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this set of circumstances? Can, is it really true? Can I really trust uh, in, in what I've been hoping in? Can I really trust in this, this gospel that Jesus died and he rose again? Can I believe that it's going to sustain me? Can it hold my weight? Is it going to bring everything that, I, that I've got? All the questions, all the, the unanswered questions that I've got. And so we need to, to have that confidence. As Christians, we, we're encouraged to have that confidence. Paul encourages his, his readers to, to have that confidence in the risen Jesus. It's important that we do as Christians. Having that, that greater confidence, it won't make us any more safe because we can't be any more safe than we are. We are safe in Jesus. But what it will do, it will make us more able and more equipped. The more certain that we are of that truth, then the better equipped we are to be uh, good news to the people in, in this town. That's what we call it to be. We call it to be good news to the people in this town. And when we've got that certainty, when we're secure in that belief, then that enables us to go out with confidence and to tell others about Jesus. So realistically, in a, in a congregation of this size, there's going to be some who have questions, some will have gone through circumstances that, that make them wonder if what they've put their faith in is something that's going to sustain them. But whatever, you know, whatever the, the struggles that we're going through, whatever the, um, the, the, the things that we, we face up to, the New Testament tells us that in Jesus we've got a certain hope, and it's not a gamble. It says, uh, the verse that we read, if you put the verse on, the next verse on, it says, Christ died for our sins. We read this earlier. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Here, Paul declares a historic truth that Jesus died and that he rose again. He not only died, but he rose again. And both these things, both these uh, are, are vitally important. It's important that Jesus died and he paid the price for our sin. It's important that he rose again from the dead. And that, that is God's seal of approval on what, uh, on what Jesus did. That is God saying, I accept that and I, I receive that as the payment for what you have done. At the time of writing, Paul says, it, it can be checked out. He says there's over 500 people who Jesus appeared to. Most of those people were still alive at the time of Paul's writing. He says, speak to them, talk to them, they will tell you that they saw the risen Jesus. Paul says, I saw the risen Jesus. He appeared to me. He appeared to him on, on the road to Damascus. He says it were, it were recorded in the scriptures. That's, that's amazing, amazing thing, that the scriptures that, uh, which what Paul was talking about was our Old Testament, all these 37 books. It's amazing that in these books it tells a, a story, it tells a coherent story. Even though it were, they were written by many different people over many different years, people who didn't know each other, people from every walk of life, from the very rich to the very poor, and they didn't know what each other had written. But yet, when you've got this collection of books, it's got a coherent story that tells right from the beginning, right from Genesis, right all the way through to, to Malachi. It's, it foretells about Jesus coming. It foretells about him coming and dying and being ro raised from the dead. That's, that's not some coincidence. That's too, too great to be a coincidence. But Paul said, the scriptures tell us. He says, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. You can believe what, what the scriptures tell us. 
One of the sermons I'd have loved to hear Jesus speaking, but it doesn't tell us it's not recorded, was when Jesus was on the road to Emmaus with uh, two other disciples. He'd been, he'd been raised from the dead, but yet not all the disciples realized it at the time. And two of his, his followers, they were on that road and Jesus was, was hidden from their, heart, their eyes. They not, didn't realize it was Jesus. And they were, they were gloom and they were downcast. And Jesus said, why are you downcast? And he says, this, this man Jesus who we followed, we thought he was the Messiah, but he, he died. And Jesus spoke to them and he told them all the way through the scriptures how it says all the way through the scriptures that Jesus was going to die and that he was going to be raised from the dead. The sermon I'd love to hear Jesus speaking about Jesus in the Old Testament. That, that, that was amazing. Have you ever said that this saying, uh, you remember said to someone, he said, if the Christian faith, if it wasn't true, then I would still, uh, I've not wasted my time because, because I love the time. I love uh, my, my Christian faith. And if it turns out that after, after it all it's not true and that it's all false, then I've lost nothing. I've enjoyed my time. We sometimes say that, and it sounds like a, a clever answer to those who, who argue against us. I'll be honest, I've sometimes said it. But Paul, the Apostle Paul, he wouldn't say that. But what, what Paul says, in, in uh, the next verse will be coming up, he says, if Christ has not been raised, he says, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, then we are of all people to be the most pitied. So Paul is saying, he's saying, if none of this is true, he says it's not worth it. That's not, uh, that's not something to be concerned about. This is Paul saying, this is how certain I am. This is how absolutely certain I am. This is Paul's declaration that it is so certain and so true that I will put my life on the line. And to be honest, at, at the time of, of writing, uh, the people of the New Testament, if they declared that Jesus was Lord, then they were putting their life on the line. They were, their life was in danger. And it's true for many people today in different parts of the world. Some people will declare that Jesus is alive. It is a dangerous thing to do. And so when Paul says, if, if Christ is not risen, then we are all meant to be the most pitied. This is not Paul being unsure. This is Paul setting with absolute certainty. He says, this is true. This is something you can put all your weight on. You can put all your faith on this fact that Jesus is alive. Jesus died and he's alive today. He says, so don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to put your, your faith and your hope in this truth because it will hold you and it will sustain you. Paul didn't hedge his bets. I remember many years ago when I was at school, well, it can't be all that long, can it, you know, but um, <laughs> yeah, it seems like back in, back in the Mr. Town, uh, my dad was a miner. He, uh, he, he, all his working life, he worked, he worked down the pit, he worked down Darfield, Maine, and uh, from, from the day he left school to the day that he retired, he worked at the same place. And uh, we lived through, through the, through the year-long miners' strike. And uh, during that year, there, there weren't any money coming in. So we had ve uh, very little. Um, my, my uncle, him and my dad, they were, they were def very, different, uh, di very different personalities. My, my uncle, he wasn't a Christian, and uh, he was into his horses and... Uh, I was betting on the horse. He owned greyhounds and he raced, raced greyhounds. And one day he rung my dad up because uh, he knew that we'd, we'd not got much money. And he, he told him about this horse. And he says, put anything you can on this horse. And he told him what horse it is. Put anything you can on this horse. It's going to win. 
My dad had never been to a bookies in his life and, uh, and didn't have much money, so and he'd, he'd never made a bet. So, he, he, of course, he didn't, he didn't do what he said. So the next day, my uncle rang up and he says, did you do it? Did you do what I told you? Did you put that money on that horse? And he says, no. He says, why not? I told you. It was going to win. And I don't know if he had any inside information. I don't know. It was a bit of a character, my uncle, but um, I don't know. But he says, I told you it was going to win. I told you it was going to win. You'd have been, you'd have been quids in. And, uh, but Paul, he didn't hedge his bets. He put everything that he had on Jesus. He put everything that he had. There was nothing. He didn't, he didn't think just in case. Although he put everything on Jesus. Everything that he had. He put it on Jesus. The writer of the Hebrews tells us that we we need to be careful. We don't throw away our confidence. Hebrews 10.35 We have got every reason to have a confident hope when we trust in Jesus. It is something that we've got confidence in. And we can have confidence in. Don't throw away your confidence if you've got this confidence, don't throw it away. Don't let anyone tell you that you can't put your confidence in Jesus. You know, the amazing thing is God doesn't save us according to how big our faith is. He saves us because he's a powerful God. And that's, that's the amazing thing. He doesn't demand that we have strong faith to save us. It's good that we do have strong faith. But he saves us because Jesus is powerful. I've got a chair here, you know, I thought, you know, you'll get to sit down, so maybe I ought to get a chair so I can sit down. It's, uh, if I've got this chair here, then uh, do I believe that it will, it will take my weight? Do I believe it? Or, or do I think it might collapse under me? What? <laughs> what, do I, what, do I, what do I do if I sit, if I sit on it? Shall I sit on it? I sit down. Yeah, it's, 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 it's taken me away. It's not collapsed. I'm safe. Right, there we go. But what... <laughs> but what, what, what held me up? What held me up? Was it because I had a strong faith? Did my faith hold me up? Or was it the chair? See, it was a chair, a chair that held me up, weren't it? However, suppose someone unbeknown to me... Maybe Gary John is, is the sort of person who would do something like this. Is, you know, if he's it, weakened the legs, you know, because he's, he's the sort of person who's going to do that. He's weakened the legs, and, and I don't know, and I put all my weight on the chair, what's it going to do? It's going to collapse under me. No matter how strong my faith is, if I put my faith in something that's not going to hold me, then it's no good. You can't sit on your faith. When you were at school, did you ever used to do that? Somebody's about to sit down and you pull the chair out from under them. You know, they'd fall on the floor and hilarity would ensue, wouldn't it? You know, it was brilliant, weren't it? Unless you were the one that you'd pull the chair out and then, you know, it weren't so good then. But, you know, that, but it didn't matter how much faith people have, people believed that they were going to sit down and that they were going to hold them. It didn't matter how much, how much faith they had in that if there was nothing to sustain them then it wouldn't hold them. So it's not the fact that we have got strong faith, it's the fact that we've got faith in a strong God that, that sustains us. Now suppose I I'm going to sit on this chair 
And I, and I think, well, Gary John might have, might have done something to it, you know. But in fact, he's not. He's not done anything to it. And I think, well, can I, can I sit on it or not? Is it, is it going to sustain me? Is it going to hold me weight? What shall I do? Are you my I are? I think, no, I don't know. But eventually, with fear and trepidation, I, I sit on the chair and it holds me up. And it sustained me. Even though I've not got a strong faith, if I put my faith in the, in the chair, it will hold me up. But then if somebody bangs into it, if somebody you know, knocks it, I'm going to be, be shaken, I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to fall, I'm going to, it's going to collapse. You ever, when you're at cinema, when you get a, a kid sat behind and they start kicking your chair, and you're you know, here for two hours and somebody's kicking your chair, and you want to turn around and you want to throttle them, you know, but, <laughs> but being a, a good, holy Christian, you, you don't do that, you know. <laughs> And that, but if somebody, somebody bangs into it, then you, you think it's going it's to collapse because, you've not, uh, because your faith is weak. Some of us are like that with our Christian life. We've got enough faith to come to Jesus. We come to Jesus and we, we ask him to forgive us. We ask him to save us. And he does that. When we, when we put our faith in him, when we ask him to do that, then he will save us. We can trust in him. But some of us, we like that chair. We think... That every time something happens, every time some trial comes along, we think it's all going to collapse, we think it can't be real. So it's, if God loved me, then would this be happening? If I, if I was a real Christian, then, then would, I, would I be going through this? And we go through these trials, and when we go through the trials, then we, we start wondering. Some of us are like that in our Christian life. The problem isn't that God isn't strong enough. It's the fact that our faith can be weak. As we said, even if with a weak faith we can be saved, but, but we're not meant to be like that. The weak faith is enough to save us. It's enough to make us right with God. It's enough to make us secure, both now and throughout all our days, throughout, uh, until the day that we meet him. Because we've got faith in a strong God, a God who is able to sustain us. But we say, that's not how we're supposed to live. We're not supposed to live uh, jumping from every crisis to another, wondering, well, if this is true, can it sus- you know, w- would this be happening? Can what I've put my faith in sustain me? It means, you know, when we put our faith in Jesus, it means that not only are we secure, but we should know that we're secure. We should know that what we've put our faith in is going to hold us. It's going to stand firm. It's not going to collapse it's not going to be eroded over time. Our faith in Jesus is something that we can trust in. Put the next verse up, please, Sarah. This is what it says in, in 1 John 4, 2 and 3. It says, here's how you test for the genuine spirit of God. Everyone who confesses openly his faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came as an actual flesh and blood person, comes from God and belongs to God. Everyone who refuses to confess faith in Jesus has nothing in common with God. Now, if you, if you, you get nothing else today, if you take that away with you, take that verse, if you've got your Bible, underline it, mark it in on your, uh, with your app, whatever it is, whatever Bible you've got, just underline it because it tells us this is, a, this is the foundation, this is what it all comes down to, that the, the test for our, our faith in Jesus. This is the test for our security. Here's how you test for the genuine spirit of God. Everyone who confesses openly his faith or her faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, 
who came as an actual flesh and blood person comes from God and belongs to God. If that is you, if you've put your faith in Jesus, if you've put everything that you've got uh, on him and on that fact that Jesus came, that, that, that God uh, God made himself a man in the, in the form of Jesus, if that is what you've put your faith in and you've asked Jesus to, uh, uh, to, to receive you and to, to forgive you, then you are of God. It doesn't matter what else happens, it doesn't matter what else comes upon you, it doesn't matter what circumstances come upon you, you can trust in that, in that truth that uh, that, is, that is the bottom line. We might get other things wrong, we might fail, we might let God down, we might go through circumstances, but that is a, something we can trust on and we can rely on. We don't have to uh, be in fear that that is not going to work out. That is going to work out. But it goes on to say that if, if you've not uh, if you've not done this, if you've not put your faith in Jesus, then you're, you're not of God. And I'd, and I'd say to anyone who's not done that, anyone who doesn't know Jesus as the Lord and Savior today, <clears throat> then I'd encourage you to do that because Jesus is worth doing. He's, he's worth trusting in. He's worth putting our, all our hope in and all our faith in. So if you've not done that, then I'd encourage you to do it. Do that today. We sung that, uh, that song earlier. The, um, what's the song called? You are for, because <laughs> you are for me. You am, you am who I say that I am. And it says in that, it says, you are for me, not against me. And that's, that's what we need to get hold of, that, that God is for us. Reminded that at one event, Rock Parsons, it says, take that and run with it, that God is for you. God, you know, God is not trying to catch you out. God loves you. And if you don't know him, then just come into that experience. He's not going to break the, break the walls down to, to get there. But if you need to receive him as your saviour. So I'd encourage you to do that. But if you know him, then believe that truth that God is for us. God is not against us. Building on this foundation, it makes us secure. It makes us uh, we're built on, on a strong foundation. When we make Jesus our foundation, then we can know for sure that we are secure. Last week, Paul reminded us, he says, that doesn't, Jesus doesn't just save us in order to get us to heaven. When we put Christ first, then he enables us to live well now. That's what we're to do. We, we, we should be living well now, not only for the future. God does save us for heaven, and that, that's brilliant. We've got a, a great future ahead. He says, but he saves us that we might live well now, that we might live with purpose, that we might live uh, a life for him a life that will of service for him, that we might tell people about him, that it might be good news to a, to a town that needs it. This town needs good news. It needs the good news of, of the gospel. They need to hear that there's a saviour in Jesus. And that, that saviour is, is done amazing things for us and he can do amazing things for the people who don't know him. Sometimes we have a lot of baggage in life, don't we? Put the next slide on, please. Is that, that, that what you like when we go on holiday? When <laughs> there's a lot of, lot, of, lot of nods, a lot of... When we go on holiday, this, this is Carl, it's just with the shoes, this. <laughs> she, well, when you, did you ever get that when you're packing your cases up? She said, have you got some space left in your case? You know, where you can... Oh, your, your, your case is... There's half a kilogram, I can get, get some, more, some more shoes in there. <laughs> 
she's gonna she's gonna kill me now. <laughs> Only joking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> some of us, some of us, we we come and we've, we've got baggage that we bring with us. When we met Jesus, our foundation, then we are we are secure, as we've said. But we're, this this baggage that we, we often bring and we, we bring it with us and we go through circumstances and we wonder if with all this baggage that we bring if it's going to hold up under our weight can Jesus sustain us can we build our lives on Jesus can he hold our weight Jesus is strong enough to deal with all our feelings all our sins all our questions and uh, everything that we go through some of us come with sin uh, the sin of our past, and we think we keep going back over the sin of our past. Do you ever do that? Do you ever go back and you think, "Well, I wish I'd not done that. I wish I'd, you know, done something else." We all like to actually put on a front, really, don't we? When we come to church, we put on as best behaviour and all that. You know, we we, uh, we pretend we're really holy. We, uh, you know, in actual fact, you know, that it might be that in, in the night, you know, we we've woke up in the night, we've uh, we've tripped over the dog, we've fought, we've you know, slipped on one of the kids' toys, fallen down the stairs, and in actual fact, the first thing that comes out of our, our mouth is not uh, hymns of praise and, and, and glory to God. Or then you drive in your car, and because we're all such great Christians, the only music we have on in this car is, is the one, one event, you know, CD or MP3, whatever. That's the only one, and we're singing along, we're praising, praising God. You know, you're not, not raising your arms, you're allowed not to raise your arms if you're driving, you know, that's, that's fine. That's, in fact, it's not only advisable, but it's, it's probably obligatory, you know, that you, you keep your hands, hands down and, and keep your eyes open as well. But you can still pray, and still praise. You're still allowed to praise with, with your hands on the steering wheel and your eyes open. But we're praising along and then somebody cuts in on us and then we, we start shouting at them and... Uh, offering abuse and we, we, we practice as gift of sign language you know and <laughs> then we come to church and we pretend that we're all all holy and we've got everything all right you know but we, we put on a front don't we we don't want don't always want people to know what we really like what goes on behind the scenes but we all we all mess up we all get things wrong we all fail don't we but sometimes we allow the, the sin maybe sin in our past or sin uh uh, today, to, to, to make us think, well, if I was really a Christian, I wouldn't have been like that. I'd have, act, I'd, have, I'd have acted differently than that. I think if only I'd have done things different. Can, you know, <clears throat> can Jesus forgive me? Can he sustain me? Because it, you know, I should know better. And often we do, uh, are in a situation when we should know better, and we do things that we, we know that, you know, that if we'd have, if we could take it again, then we, we'd do it differently. But that doesn't disqualify us. You know, that's the good news. That when we're in Jesus, when we fail, when we let him down, then we're not disqualified from the prize. We're not disqualified from Jesus. He doesn't give up on us just like that. And we need to hear that sometimes. We need to hear that, you know, God is for us. That God loves us. And he doesn't just let go of us like that. You know, God sent Jesus to die and he died on the cross. God gave everything that he could. God couldn't give anything more than what he gave when he gave Jesus. He gave everything. There was nothing more he could give. And we think that God's going to do that and then give up on us because we fail him and we let him down. 
He's not going to do all that. He's not going to give up on us like that. As we heard at one event, God loves us enough to accept us as we are. So whoever we are, whatever we've done, whatever circumstance, if we come to Jesus, then he will forgive us and he will restore us and he will bring us into relationship with him. So wherever you are, if you've never done that, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord, I'd encourage you to do that. Don't think that you're too bad to to come to him. You're not too bad. Don't think that uh, you've messed up too much in in your Christian life and you can't come back to him and he's not going to forgive you. He loves you. But as, as, as we said, God loves us enough to accept us as we are, but he also loves us too much to leave us the way we are. And it, it's right that you know, God has got a work to do in our lives. He's going to work in us and hopefully transform us and make us more like Jesus. His, his, his aim is not to just leave us where we are, but to, to take us on a journey, to move us along, and that we'll be transformed. But if we fall, if we, if we mess up along the way, then the game isn't up. It's still, uh, it's still ongoing. He's still with us, and he goes with us. And sometimes we come with questions. Life throws up questions for us, doesn't it? Do, do you ever, are you ever in that situation when life seems to throw up questions, and they, they seem to be unanswerable? And you think, what, God, what, what, why is this happening? What's, what's happening here? Sometimes life doesn't turn out the way we expected it to turn out. Have you ever felt like that? You ever felt, well, when I set off out, I expected things were going to be different than they are now. I didn't expect that this was the way things were going to be. Sometimes we have questions for God. Have you ever wished that, you know, you could ask God your questions and he'd answer your questions? Maybe we're tempted to think, well, if I, if I, if I voice these questions, what I'm thinking, if, if people knew what I were really thinking and the questions that I have, then, you know, then it had all collapsed under me and we're scared to, to admit the questions that we have sometimes. You know, but God is big enough to handle the questions that we have. We don't have to be afraid of questions. We don't have to be fearful that, you know, that, that you know, letting, uh, vocalizing these questions is, is going to make God just disappear in a puff of smoke. Habakkuk was one of the, the Old Testament prophets. Habakkuk's quite different than all the other all the other prophets. I like the books that are a bit different. That's why I like Ecclesiastes. It's, it's a bit of a grumpy old man, the man who writes them, so that's probably a bit like me, but you know, the books are a bit different. I like them. And Ecclesiastes is different. And Habakkuk is a bit different as well. Most of the prophets, God speaks through the prophets to the, pe- uh, through the, prophets to the people and he accuses the people of wrongdoing. And he tells them you need to put something right. Habakkuk is different. Habakkuk speaks to God and he actually accuses God of wrongdoing. How long shall I cry out, says Habakkuk, and you don't hear me? That's how he starts the book. He said, I cry out and you don't hear me. He says, you're not listening to me. He says, how long will evil go unpunished? I see evil all around me and it's, it's unpunished. You, do, you seem to do nothing about it. He says, why do you let me see such awful things if you're not going to do anything about it? And he says, and why are you allowing the Babylonians to come and attack your people? Why? And he's got all these questions. He says, why, why God, is it, you seem to do nothing, apparently nothing about injustice. You know, we might think, well, this is, this is really, you shouldn't be really saying these things to God. You know, but, but Habakkuk, he says these things, he has these questions for God. And he vocalizes these questions to God. 
Habakkuk tells us that we can ask big questions of God. Sometimes we need to ask them. Sometimes we need to, to vocalize. We need to, to, to share them with others and say, why? why? I don't know why I'm going through all this circumstance. I don't know why I'm facing what I'm facing. And we need to find someone who we can trust. And we need to just, just be honest and, and tell people how we're thinking. Habakkuk had confidence that he could, he could vocalize these questions to God. You know, God didn't strike him down. God doesn't strike us down when we have questions. You know, he knows the questions that we have anyway because it sees into our hearts. But if we're honest and if we we tell him, this is how I feel, Lord, then he can deal with it. And to be honest, it doesn't mean that he's going to answer our questions. But sometimes it, the power is in asking the questions and just in, in being honest about it. And God isn't, God isn't unjust, you know, Habakkuk actually accuses him of injustice, but God is not unjust at all. But yet that was how Habakkuk saw things. That was how Habakkuk thought it looked like. And if that's how we feel, then we need to be honest sometimes. As it came to the, um, as you work the way through the book of Habakkuk, then God doesn't answer his questions necessarily. And some of the questions that he, that he actually gives, some of the answers that he actually gives are not the, quest- the answers that he wants to hear. But... By asking these questions and by working through them, by working through what he does, by the end of the book, Habakkuk could say, though the fig tree doesn't blossom, though there's no grapes on the vines, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Yeah. And that's, that's the, Habakkuk had, had that change. Habakkuk changed and he transformed by asking these questions, by realizing that he could ask these questions of God. And we can be honest with God. And, and, and if we've got things that are troubling us, things that, that we think, well, why is this happening? Why do, do I see so much injustice? Then we can ask these questions. We won't necessarily get an answer, but it is powerful to ask them, and it can be helpful just to ask these questions that we've got. God can deal with us, and he can, he can transform us as we have these questions. We don't have to be ashamed that we're going through circumstances that makes us question you know, what, what is happening. Why is this happening? What is the reason for it all? God can deal with it. We can put all our weight on him. We can trust him. We can have confidence on him. He is not going to collapse under, his, under our weight. He's not going to disappear. You know, the cross is sufficient to deal with everything. Everything that we bring, the cross can deal with it. And that's the great truth that we've got, that, that Jesus died and that he has risen again. In the book Pilgrim's Progress, it's, it's in quite old-fashioned language, but yet it's got some great, uh, great truth in it. And in, right in, in the beginning of that book, then uh, this, this uh, character called Christian, and his, he said, I've got, he had this great weight on his back, this great burden, he called it, on his back, and he, he said it, it was weighing him down, and he tried everything to get rid of this, this burden that he's carrying, but then he goes to the cross, and when he goes in front of the cross, then it releases that burden. And when we come to the cross, when we bring all our questions to the cross, then uh, it, it releases the burden that we've got. Paul declares, as we read, coming up on, on the screen, he says, Now Christ is risen from the dead. That's a certainty. That's the a, that's a, a certainty that Paul put all his weight on, that Christ is risen from the dead. Christ died and he rose from the dead and he's alive today 
and is still alive. That is the certainty that we can have as Christians today, that Jesus, he died, but yet he rose again from the dead, and he's alive today. We can have confidence. If the band want to start making the way back, uh, please. The resurrection of Jesus was, as we said, God's seal of approval on, on, on all that Jesus had done. And it's the, the, the guarantee that one day we will be resurrected as well. Whatever we face, whatever circumstances we go through, one day we will see Jesus and we will be resurrected and we will meet with him. Perhaps something has been robbing you of your confidence that you've got in Jesus. Perhaps you've thought, if you vocalise your doubts, if you vocalise your fears, if you're honest about the things that you're struggling with, then it's all going to disappear and crumble beneath us. He's not going to do that. You can put all your weight on Jesus. If something's been robbing you of your confidence, then don't allow that to happen. Don't allow anyone or anything or any set of circumstances to tell you that Jesus isn't enough. It doesn't mean that, that we get an easy ride as we've been seeing. You know, we, we, we do face difficulties, we do face the questions, we do face it. the circumstances in life when we have these big questions that come upon us and sometimes we go through seasons in life when it seems as though it's, it's happening one thing after another and we think, why am I going through all these things and never going to be the same again and we go through these seasons when life seems to be like that but we can renew our confidence in God. If something's been robbing you of your confidence, then renew it. Renew that confidence. Don't throw away that hope that you've got. Don't throw away that confidence, that sure confidence. Jesus loves you. Don't forget that. Don't forget that he loves you more than you could even understand, more than you could comprehend. He loves you as if there's no one else to love. He loves you as if, the, as if you're the only one. And if you're thinking, well, that's nice for the person sat next to me. I wish it were true for me. It's true for you. It's true whoever you are. Just believe that. Don't let go of the hope that you have. Renew that confidence. Renew the truth of what you believe in Jesus. Because Jesus will sustain us. No matter what set of circumstances we go through, they will not, he will not crumble beneath us called to be good news to the people of this town and the way that we can be good news the best way is to have faith and to have that absolute confidence in Jesus and that strengthens us and that enables us if you're if you're feeling like that if you've been feeling that your, your confidence has been rocked that you've been wondering can I put all my my weight on on this Jesus is it, is it really going to sustain me if, if you know circumstances I've been going through are they really going to you know testify that Jesus is enough you know and, and just you know just come out if, if you want somebody to have prayer with you then somebody will pray with you sometimes we need that we, we need to just tell somebody sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm struggling I'm, I'm finding it hard don't always have to, to say you know everything that's going through our mind sometimes it can be helpful but if you're going through that then just come out while, we, while the band's played and, and somebody will pray with you and somebody will just be there for you. If you've never known Jesus as your saviour, if you've never received him as your Lord, then I would, I would encourage you. You can put all your weight on Jesus. 
he can sustain you whoever you are Jesus can sustain you and he will if you trust in him if you put your faith in him and so just have a word with one of us afterwards and if that is you because he's enough Jesus is enough and he will hold our way
not too late. If you still want prayer, you want to speak to somebody, there's still time to come out to the front. Once worship finishes, there's still time to come. Come and speak to one of us. You know, we're here. We're here as a family to do this together. Father, I just want to thank you that you are a firm foundation, that we can put our trust in you. And I just want to encourage you today to just, even if it's just in your heart, just say to God, I will build my life on you. I will put my trust in you. And the more you begin to say that, the more you'll begin to believe it. teas and coffees in the back please don't rush away if you need to know any more information go to our new connections corner or come and speak to one of us on stage we have a meeting tonight at six o'clock i would encourage you to come along get involved support people that are involved in that it's been great to see you have a good week